You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, folks. I would say hello, 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 but, you know, you hear that. So I'll just say hi. Welcome back to Locked On NFL. It's going to be a fun show because we're doing power ranks. All the teams that we see as the top 12 right now when it's meaningless and it's, you know, the day before camp opens. So when I say we, I mean Jeff Lloyd, Locked On Browns host, uh, draft expert extraordinaire. How are you, Jeff? Uh, it couldn't be better. And uh, Mr. Williamson, enjoy your vacation. And don't worry, uh, we'll keep the seats warm for you. You know, I was going to say the same thing, but uh, I'm sure Matt's busy, <laughs> I'm guessing. Uh, look for his coverage on all the Steelers things that are going on, folks. Don't miss that. I'm Ryan Tracy, the host of Locked On Chiefs, at least one of them anyway. Um, and we're going to go through... Just where everything is right now today, starting from from page zero of 2019 as teams get into camp. And we're going to give you our different takes on what are the playoff teams going to look like? Who are they? Where are they going from? I think we're going to start right now with uh, the bottom of the barrel, number 12 and going on, right? Uh, Yeah, I'm totally okay with that. Um, And in doing this and doing this exercise and sitting down, the one issue I had is I think the AFC is so top heavy. Um, I, for me, you know, I think there's three contenders and it's probably those three contenders, but obviously there's going to be six playoff teams. I, I struggle to find a six playoff team. Um, the one, yeah, I kept circling back to it and I, I'm not, you know, if somebody else ends up taking a spot, I probably wouldn't be too surprised. But the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, you know, you know, they talk about adaptation and how teams can change. It can change on the fly. Um, but you lose a superstar running back one year. You know, and, you know, obviously, you know, no disrespect. Obviously, the young man there and Connor did a fantastic job. Now you lose Antonio Brown. You're talking about 3,000 total yards of offense. So, you know, anywhere between, you know, 24 to 30 touchdowns per season with these two guys on your roster. That's a lot to replace. Um, you know, Ben is getting up there in age. Um, their offensive line, they didn't really upgrade it. They're in a division with the Cleveland Browns where, yeah, they gave them issues last year. Cleveland's now finished off that defensive line, added two more pro bowlers and Sheldon Richardson, Olivier Vernon. I just don't know if the Steelers got enough. I love Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he's going to be a fantastic player in this year for a number of, in this league for a number of years. But it's a big, big difference, Ryan, where all of a sudden now he is the guy and he's going to get all the, he's going to get all the good coverage, all the good cornerbacks, a lot of double coverage. And the rest of that wide receiving core, it's, some guys with maybe some potential, maybe a Dante Moncrief, a guy who's never achieved his. I, I, you know, I just don't have confidence in the Pittsburgh Steelers being good enough to win the division title of 2019. You know, I have to agree with you. I have them here in this group uh, at the bottom as well. I do have them 10th overall when we look at the comparisons. But I agree with you. It's, it's a lot of change relatively quickly, and it leaves you wondering how they're going to generate the offense that we're used to seeing from them. And quite frankly, how are they going to keep the team together after what I think is is a bigger issue, the turmoil within the locker room, the different personalities kind of tearing at that team uh, that seem to be eating away at it. And I, I question about how Mike Tomlin, as a coach who's been very successful in the past, how he's going to turn that around. And I'm real keen to see that. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you're, Mike has been fantastic in his years there, but sometimes you just get so much put up on a plate. And every now and then you're going to have to take a step or two back to take a step forward and you know, that's kind of where it is. And look, you know, Ben's been getting hit a lot more and more as the years go on. You know, granted, he usually gets up, but, you know, he goes down and even has to miss a game or two. It's trouble city for Pittsburgh. I agree with you. And I have really, really 
I think they can compete, I, and I do think it's a two-horse race there. Uh, I think you know who the other team in the race is for that particular division. But I think it's going to come down to it. And there is the one caveat that I'll throw out there is the head-to-head matchups, I think, when it comes down to grudge matches, particularly with those two teams in, in Cleveland and, and Pittsburgh, I, I'm really interested to see if just the gutsy part of it, the the struggle, comes back and pulls them through. It's, you know, and that's the thing. And for Cleveland's perspective, and we'll get to it here, but I mean, until they are not the kings of the AFC North, you can kind of say somewhat in Baltimore. I mean, there's always been one or two that ran this division. But, you know, you've literally got to, and we say it on our show, is you've got to take the wooden stake and you've got to put it through their hearts. And, you know, until it's done, it hasn't been done. I agree. Well, that's one. If we look at who's next on your list, who's the number 11 out of the, the 12 teams that we see as being playoff contenders? Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, I, I just, it's one of those teams, it's like you, you, every year, yeah, you know, it's off Seattle. And, and then, you know, as you get closer and closer to August in camp, you just like, you know what, they're going to find a way. They always do. Last year, they were left and dead on the side of the road and still somehow ended up in the playoffs. Russell Wilson is a, a magician, so to speak, gets out of a lot, a lot of, you know, difficult situations with his legs. Um, the older he gets, he's able to turn those into, you know, throwing as opposed to relying on his legs for big gains. Um, they did well running the ball last year with Chris Carson. Rashard Penny, they spent a first-round pick on, didn't do a lot, but, you know, averaged almost six yards per touch with the ball. He's going to be more of a factor in year two. Uh, DK Metcalf, uh, you know, dr- draft-wise, I had my issues with him. But I think he is such a deep ball guy. And with Russ's escape ability, he's a guy that can, you know, he's not going to give you, you know, the normal wide receiver stats of, you know, eight for 110. But I think you're going to get some three for 90s with a touchdown or two that are going to cause some heartache for some people some weeks. And the defense always just seems to find a way in Seattle. I mean, granted, obviously, they just lost Jerron uh, Reed with six-game suspension, which probably is going to be something that's going to hamper them a little bit. But it's just one of those – it's just plug-and-play. Every year, the Seattle Seahawks find a way to be playing football in January. You know, they are really crafty with that. Now, I can't put anything past them, but this is one of the places where we differ because I have at the bottom of my list uh, the Cowboys as a wild card, somebody that I think may have a chance to continue down the path that they began. And, yes, they're going to have to have some new guys step up on their offense. You have to get more consistent play out of Dak. But with Ezekiel Elliott back there and being a, a workhorse that I feel can really pull them through some of those things and allow them to get on a roll, I still look for them making it rather than the Seahawks just because I feel like the Seahawks are kind of on a, on a downward angle at this point. I could be wrong, but you know when we're talking about the bottom here, these are guys that are all going to be scratching to get into those playoffs. And I think it's at this point probably a toss-up. But I think we're closer on who your number 10 team is. Uh, at number 10, I have the Atlanta Falcons. Um, you know, a lot of people will look at their draft and be like, well, it's not a great draft. Um, it wasn't sexy, but, you know, they had issues with the offensive line. You know, they had issues of Matt Ryan being able to use the weapons at his disposal. Um, you know, when Julio Jones, Sanu, Calvin Ridley, who looked really good as a rookie, Matt, you know, Matt Ryan's going to need his time. They were able to solidify that with a couple of selections of some really good players. Um, just today, they signed defensive end Alan Bailey, who was a guy I was kind of hoping maybe the Cleveland Browns would be looking at a nice rotational guy there. Um, obviously, you guys are familiar with him as well, Ryan. Um, that was a nice mm-hmm. move on their part. I think they've done a nice job in keeping it going. And look, you know, it's 
their window may only be another couple of years where you're going to get Julio as one of the absolute freaks of the game, you know, and for Ryan to stay the course. Uh, I, I like what Atlanta did. Um, I think the AFC South, I think the NFC South rather, has two good teams and two maybe not so good teams right now. And the NFC, I, I think there's there's six to eight good teams, and then there's eight teams that are just not good whatsoever. But I expect a lot from the Atlanta Falcons this year. Um, you know, I know obviously Devontae Freeman and his health is going to be a key thing. Uh, you know, obviously with losing Kevin Coleman after the San Francisco 49ers. But even still, you know, I, I think we're going – I think Matt Ryan's got one more of the – is MVP type seasons left in his body. You could be right. And I really like the fact they just extended Deion Jones. I think that really helps their defense. I just don't see him putting it all together. I actually have the Packers in this position. Um, one of two teams from that division. And I think you have two as well that I feel like I can't count out Aaron Rodgers, And I feel like a little bit of a, a breath of fresh air for him may get them going in the right direction. I feel like they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit better. And I like what they did with their defense and bringing him some fresh pass rushers, and trying to change things up. So uh, how do you feel about where the pack is and who else might be in that division? I like what the packs did. I like that. I love what Green Bay did with their defense. Um, and my question is, is, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he's breaking in new weapons. And one of the things we started to learn about Aaron is sometimes it's a little difficult for these young guys to break in with Aaron Rodgers. Um, he got some good play out of some guys last year. Obviously a lot of this is going to be on the co- coaching change. And, you know, are they going to be in sync? Um, and, you know, is Aaron going to, you know, take, you know, what the coach wants to run and work it in with these guys? So I do have some questions about Green Bay. I love what they did on the defensive side of the ball. And I think also what they said is maybe to the point now where we can't just say, oh, we're going to be a, be, be a playoff team because we have Aaron Rodgers. Um, it's, I think they, they said, look, it's going to be now a part of we need to play some defense. Two years in a row they drafted – actually, well, I mean – three years in a row with uh, in their top selections they've added to defense, spent money on pass rushers. I really like the fact that Green Bay is trending upwards defensively, and it's, it should make things easier on Aaron Rodgers. So hopefully hopefully he can make things easier with the weapons he's working with, where it's, hey, guys, we ain't got to score 33. We just got to get 25 on the board, which should hopefully make you know Aaron a little bit more comfortable and understanding that he's you know, breaking in some younger guys at key, at key spots. Um, obviously, his bread and butter is always going to be Devontae Adams. Aaron Jones, if they truly finally realize that maybe he's a guy they got to feature uh, a little bit more, because when they do, it usually looks really good. Um, but Green Bay, they're going to be right in that cusp. They're going to be, for me, they're going to be in that wild card cusp. Uh, I'm actually, I actually had a different NFC North winner this year. So it's, it, but it's going to be, I think it's going to be a fun division because you're going to have three teams battling it out. Yeah, I agree. And let's, let's talk about that because I think we're, we have two teams from the same division in the number nine spot. And I know we're running long on this first segment, folks. We're going to finish it up, but where are you at? Who's number nine on your list? Uh, I went with Minnesota here. Um, look, the one thing you can't do when you gave Kirk Cousins all that money is allow him to get rattled. Their offensive line last year was not very good. They made a huge point of addressing it. I am always a big sucker for a guy the second year off the ACL in Dalvin Cook. Once, you know, the last month of December, they started to play much better ball. Coincidentally enough, that's when Dalvin Cook really started to pick it up as well. You've got two fantastic wide receivers in Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, and you saw the frustration level building last year. Um, and Kirk Cousins, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's that guy. He gets really, really hot. 
if you give him the time. But if he doesn't get the time, there's times where it looks ugly, and we all know what he looked like as a Redskin. I think the play is there. I like their defense. I think they're going to have to, you know, the defense is going to have to go back to what they were in the, the previous year. But I think Minnesota, for me, is the team that's going to walk away with the uh, the NFC North this year. And I just think they have enough weapons, and now they have the line in place where Dalvin Cook should be able to eat as a receiver, as a runner. And I, it's very difficult to scheme with a good tight end and two quality wide receivers able to easily put up 13, 1,400 yards apiece. You know, and I, I like where you're going with it, and I, I'm a big fan of Mike Zimmer. I like the way that he runs a team, and I feel like that. I just don't have faith in Cousins to actually make that kind of difference. In the ninth spot, I have the Bears actually taking that division and being right here in the same ranking. And it's mostly because I like what they have on the defense. Their secondary, I think, is going to be solid. Obviously, Khalil Mack last season was was a bonus that no one saw coming. I really feel like the Bears are going to be able to pressure better, and I feel like this is going to be the point in time when Working with Matt Nagy is actually going to pay off for Mitch Trubisky. I think that draft class is more than just Mahomes, and I feel like it, this is a, the spot where it's going to catch fire. I like some of the weapons that they have, and I feel like they're going to be able to move the ball not just more consistently but more creatively as well. I think that's going to be the key, and I have the Bears winning that division but at number nine. So, folks, at this point, we'll take our first break. We'll come back. We're going to start moving up into the second echelon starting at number eight. So I think what's really interesting is we did our list independently, ranking these top 12 teams, and we both came out with Cleveland at number eight. And I know you know this team inside and out. I know a little bit about it because of the relationship and the ties to the Kansas City Chiefs. But it comes back to me, this is a team that is remaking itself so quickly that it's impressive. But my question is going to be, amongst the talent, what can they do with all the personalities on this team? Well, the key is going to be, and it's going to be winning and scoring points. Um, you know, everybody, oh, it could be toxic. Of course it could. Uh, you got a lot of punchy young guys in there who are superstars and, you know, they're bold and brashy in what they talk about. But the thing is, is, you know, you bring Odell into this. Um, they didn't really have a number one wide receiver last year. I mean, there were weeks where they were kind of trotting Brashard Perriman out there as that guy who can, you know, there's nobody on the field who can run with him. Now you've got Odell to do that type of stuff. But, you know, Odell can go off and ruin anybody's Sunday in that manner. Um, everybody seems to like each other, which for now is very, very key. You have some calming influences, like a Nick Chubb. The guy barely gets talked about because Nick Chubb's interviews last 45 seconds long. You know, it's very simple. He's not a long talker. He really – it's not that he, you know, hates it. He's just, it's just not the type of guy he is that, you know, he does all his talking on the field. Um, defensively, defensively is where it's a little different because, you know, you have Miles Garrett, who is turning into one of the absolute superstars of the game and, you know, absolutely loves the game, puts in every drop of work. But as soon as it is time for him to not be a football player anymore, he's not. Uh, you know, he loves to talk about whatever the big show is on Netflix that everybody's watching. Things of that nature. I mean, this guy has people meet him at the dog park with his dog. He holds doggy dates. I mean, he's such a different guy in that respect, but yet he's a terror on the field. Um, you have you have your secondary guys who like to talk. Joe Schobert is a phenomenal linebacker. Another one who doesn't talk much anything but the game. Um, I think Freddie is good with this because Freddie's young enough. It's not like this type of personality is too far removed from him. And he's been around some of it. And, you know, I think his first conversations with Odell were, don't worry, we'll get you that 90, 1,310 touchdowns. Don't worry about that. That, that. That's that's what I'm here for. 
And I think everybody buys in. And I think everybody loves the fact that they have no, you know, they're going to be aggressive. They are going to play hard. And I think everyone to this point has bought into that. So it should, it should gel well. Um, it, the, the tough part of the schedule is in the beginning of the year. And, you know, they're going to have to navigate their way through that. But if they do and they can get three and three through their first six or even four and two, when they get past that, the schedule is so, so favorable to them, especially December, which, I mean, I, there's probably not a game on December schedule that should even be close. As long as they can, you know, maintain themselves together through, you know, the beginning part for six games of the season, I don't see how this team isn't easily, you know, finishing in, you know, with at least double digit wins. I agree with you. I think they're a team way on the up and come right now. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with them. My number seven team just above them is the Eagles. And unlike the Browns, I, I feel like they're kind of getting to the point where they can bounce back. I think Wentz is, is clearly the key disappointing last season for him, but I think moving on from Foles gives you an idea that this team is ready to move forward. And they still have weapons on that team. They still have the leadership. It's going to be a question for me is, can they reshore up what they lost on defense and be able to actually put together strings of games? I have faith in what Doug Peterson can do. And I think overall, this is a team that isn't quite at the top echelon, but is going to challenge. I know some people have them ranked really high. Who is your number seven? Uh, number seven, I went with the Indianapolis Colts. And I, you know, a little spoiler, I am one that has the Eagles very high. Um, uh, Andrew Luck, you know, with the health, um, you see what Eric Ebron has done in a much more favorable tight end environment. Um, they don't have the biggest household names at running back in Marlon back, not uh, in Marlon Mack, Naheem's Ward, uh, but they do what they're asked to do. That offensive line is rock solid. They're returning that. They needed some pass rushers. Justin Houston comes over. If they can get a good, healthy Justin Houston, where his only responsibility is to chase down the quarterback. That'll aid that defense. But that, even that young defense, Darius Leonard was a fantastic selection last year, obviously. I, I think they've done a great, great job. I also think the easy thing for the Indianapolis Colts is, is I don't have a lot of faith in anybody else in the AFC South. So I think Indianapolis should be able to maneuver, hopefully, through the regular season pretty easily to the point where they'll be competing for a, a, a bye, which should be very, very difficult to get in the AFC. But I think they should be able to maneuver and they should be in a position where they can rest a couple of guys if there's, you know, some little dings. So when it gets to the playoffs, they are fully ready to go. But I mean, you get me a, you get me a healthy Andrew Luck. You get more, you get more in the pass rushing department. Uh, you mix in, you know, a playmaker or two, Paris Campbell with what you already got going on offensively with T.Y. Hilton, Eric Hebron. I, I just, I think the Colts are, they are a now team, even though outside of luck, they are a very, very young roster. I agree with you, and I actually have them as the number six team on my list. And it, not to argue with anything that you said, but I think even overarching story arch but behind this team is not just the return of luck and what they've done with, like you said, a very young roster that I, I have to say one of the best picks of the draft came from them, and a guy that I was very high on, and I'm really keen to see what he's going to turn into. But that leads me back to, the leadership that Chris Ballard brings to this organization is something they haven't had in quite a long time. And you can go back to whether it's about evaluation or about strategy trying to develop the roster. Either way, it comes down to 
There's one man leading that ship. He is a hard case. He's going to make you live up to what you promised to deliver. And I feel like that's got them going in the right direction. The Colts are a team that I think while I have them six right now, this could easily change as the season goes on. And I expect them to be even higher next season in 2020. I'm very keen on where they're going and how they're going to get there. But who's your number six? This is where I slot in the New Orleans Saints. Um, you know, obviously the only thing with the Saints here is, you know, it, it's Drew Brees here and, you know, what he's done as an undersized quarterback and at his age still plugging it in week in, week out. Um, they've got their secondary is very, very good. Um, they still got obviously a pretty good, a pretty solid defensive line as long as Sheldon Rankins can come back and be healthy. Um, Alvin Kamara now going to be more of, more of, I'd say the feature back, um, you know, they have uh, other pieces behind him, but it's not going to be that, you know, 55-45 split that there was with Mark Ingram, and which you should. I mean, he's young enough now. If your window is now, you know, there should be many reasons that Mark Ingram is coming off the field. Um, again, you know, and, and like I said, the NFC South, I think it's it's two teams that are good. I think there's two teams that aren't so good. Uh, and, you know, th- I, I, there's going to be one more playoff run here for Drew Brees. I, I, whether it's enough to lead a Super Bowl, I'm not sure. But there's there's going to be one more, you know, good year in the sun here for this team. Um, and then eventually they're going to have to, fart, you know, finally find a piece where they're talking life after Drew Brees. I agree with you. And we'll talk about the Saints here coming up in a little bit. Uh, who's your number five just ahead of them? This is where I slot in the Patriots. Um Look, you lose Rob Gronkowski, and this isn't so much about losing what Rob Gronkowski was, the receiver. Um, and everybody talks about the big reception in the Super Bowl that set up the game-winning touchdown. Rob, Rob Gronkowski was playing like a starting offensive tackle in the playoffs. That is how ridiculously well he was run blocking. And this is what they were committed to. And obviously, you know, Ryan, you know this very well. They just decided, you know, look, it's, <laughs> whatever. We don't care right now. We're just If we can run the ball to win, this is what we're going to do. You lose Gronk. Uh, you know, you, you know, yeah, obviously they lost, uh, you know, they lost their pass rusher. They lost their left tackle. Uh, it, you know, in some people, you know, uh, oh my God, the, the Patriots at five. That's not bad. I still, it doesn't mean the Patriots still can't win the Super Bowl, but this is where I am at now. They still have the ultimate wild card in probably the greatest football coach that ever lived who can, you know, go from one game plan one week to go a complete, uh, you know, different total 100 degree, 180 degree opposite the next week in Bill Belichick. But, you know, roster-wise, position-wise, you look at that wide receiver core, and yes, Julian Edelman's a pain in the butt week in, week out, but there's so many other teams with, you know, better overall athletic, true, wide, game-changing wide receivers. So, you know, I have the New England Patriots at five. I'm comfortable with it. The Patriots fans don't freak out. It doesn't mean they still can't play in the big one in February. But roster-wise, I think that's where this team is at right now. You know, I'm a little bit more superstitious. Maybe you could even call it old school. I'm going to have to talk about them in the last segment. But I think at number five on my list is is a team that I think is very, very close. They were close last season, and had they not had a couple of missteps early, they could have competed for the AFC Championship game. And I have the Chargers at five because however you lay it out, you have to battle the Chiefs over and over and over in this particular division. I think they're very good, but I don't think they're going to quite get that done. They've got one one win in the last four seasons against Andy Reid's teams. So I don't see it becoming a pattern. 
But I do like what they have to offer. I think they have arguably the best secondary in the league, the, the addition of, of Adderley to Derwin, as well as the corners that they can throw out there. I like what they're doing. I think they're going to get after the passer very well. And despite this the hubbub with uh, Melvin Gordon, I feel like they have a couple of other backs that they can field in the meantime to keep a little bit of evenness to the play call. Uh, my big question is going to be, do they still have the weapons on the outside uh, to keep moving the ball down the field? Uh, can Keenan Allen stay healthy? Those are another couple questions. So right now, I have the Chargers at five, and I think that's probably where they belong for right now. I think you're going to disagree with me. But, folks, we're going to take our second break. We'll come back, and we're going to talk about the top four teams on both of our lists. So, top four. That means teams that we can see making the championship game. And I think we're in pretty good shape in terms of we both have two NFC teams, both have two AFC teams, and it's just the way that what the exercise was is to not just take teams that will make the playoffs but then rank them accordingly. And so the top four, I think while we disagree a little bit, I think we can understand the quality of the team that we're looking for. So please lead it off. Who you have at number four? Uh, this is where I slot in the Los Angeles Rams. Obviously, we have a couple of questions. Um they can say whatever they want. Anybody who watched the playoffs last year, watched the Super Bowl, came away with the same theory. Uh, there's something not right with Todd Gurley. Uh, the explosion wasn't there. Um, don't tell me he's fine, but he's not on the field, and I'm seeing C.J. Anderson get 20 carries in a playoff game. That's a big question. Um, does Todd come back, and is Todd the player that he was? It's a big question. Um, Cooper Cup, you know, how does he respond? How does he come back from his health? That's another big question. But that defense, and now you bring in the addition of a solid veteran in Eric Weddle who knows how to read quarterbacks and such a film guy and becomes he's, – he's a guy that just makes the crucial key play in any situation to seal it. I like the Rams. I, I think they're going to end up in another NFC championship game. I think McVay takes that Super Bowl and it, it just drives, you know, basically splinters under his fingernails to just go even further – and, you know, he knows it was Bill Belichick who ate his lunch that day. And for a guy like McVay, who is football 24-7, 365, you know he's sitting there in, you know, late March on a beach somewhere on a vacation with his girlfriend on his phone going, that's where I screwed up. That was a mistake on my part. And I, I think him and Jared Goff, they're going to come back. And, you know, they're going to come back with a vengeance. If they're going to have to throw more or maybe they're going to have to incorporate the rookie Daryl Henderson more into the game because Todd Gurley isn't what – you know, he has been. I still think the Rams are ready to go. And let's put it this way. They still have the best defensive player on the planet. It does help, doesn't it? And, you know, I have to say Henderson's one of the, the best picks of the draft. Uh, I have them a little bit further up the list here because this is where I have the Saints. And I like exactly what you said about them. I think it is nearing the end, the last push for Drew Brees. And I feel like that feeds the fire a little bit. I think Kamara's ready to take yet another step forward and, and become even more of a threat. I think the situation with Michael Thomas is going to work itself out. I'm not worried about that. But motivation all the way around, I feel like they were so close last season. It's something that they're going to get past, and I feel like they're going to be right in the mix for that NFC Championship again. Uh, and I'm hoping, you know, personally on my little side note, that they don't quite make it to the Super Bowl. But I think that they're certainly capable of it. I have them at four. Um, and I think that what's going to come down to is can they play enough defense to keep teams from pushing Breeze outside of his comfort zone. I, I feel like he's not quite the guy he was two or three seasons ago. 
he can still carry the team, but I don't think he can carry them as far. So I think you have to rely a little bit more on the other side of the ball. So that said, I think we both come to the guys that I'm trying to keep from having to play him. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, the team that I cover, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of depth here just because people hear me yak about them all the time, but I am pleased that you agree with me. Uh, They are that much closer. The defense have been completely revamped, and it was necessary. Uh, From the top down, D.C. coordinator, uh, position coaches, down to the pass rushers, everybody has changed either roles or assignments. I think the one thing that we can take away is that being that good, in the first season of a quarterback starting for you and not being able to support him with your defense, despite having two very good pass rushers, which historically we've thought is really the key to playing good defense, that's troublesome. So it's also troublesome that you have a short window here for Pat Mahomes before he gets paid what is going to be a record-setting contract. And so you have to do this switch over to a 4-3 defense with Steve Spagnuolo as fast as humanly possible. They brought in a lot of good coaches. Matt House from Kentucky, a guy that was a head coach in college, will be a head coach in the pros eventually. They stole Matt Daly from the Patriots, a guy who single-handedly beat them in the AFC Championship because of his work along the defensive line. I think that's a significant step back for the Patriots, Uh, maybe more so than some of the others that we'll talk about here in a minute. But I think you have the Chiefs at 3-2. What do you see as their deficiencies? Well, the, when I, you know, when I started to do this and I did this in the last month or so doing the power rankings was, you know, I, I thought not having Tyreek Hill was going to be, you know, difficult. Um, you bring them back. Look, offensively, I don't think there was a more potent offense in this league because you still have Sammy Watkins. You drafted my, my, uh, Michael Hardman. Uh, everything they have, you still have Kelsey. Um, maybe, you know, Damian Williams isn't going to come in. You know, he's not going to catch everybody by storm this year, which is fine, though. But there's even more on the outside. And Andy Reid now gets to go a couple more, you know, pages deeper in the playbook. Um, I, I just wonder where there's going to be maybe some struggles, you know, defensively, where they're kind of learning on the fly. Um, the Chargers, you know, which obviously we'll get to here in a second, and I don't want to give away too much on that. I, I think the Chargers are a little bit better on the defensive side of the ball, which should maybe able to help keep them in any you know matches. Obviously, they split last year during the regular season. Um, whatever you're doing, whenever those two games are this season, Chargers, the two Chargers and Chiefs games, um, if they're not primetime games, tear up the schedule and remake it because they'll probably be two of the <laughs> best of the regular season. Um, two games, you know, just as the fan in me, I am looking forward to. Um, but I, you know, I, I it's just a question of, and it's weird because I am normally always an offense over defense guy. But I think in this, but look, I mean, you know, if everything goes the way I'm seeing it, there's going to be three games between those uh, two franchises. So we'll see how it plays out. But the Chiefs, it was more of a, I don't know if they're going to have Tyreek Hill. They're breaking in a whole bunch of new stuff on defense. Um, now it's, you know, it's all, you know, so I thought maybe the Chargers would have the advantage in two ways. Now it's even, it's, it, it's, it's going to be the best battle in the AFC. And I think both these teams will be vastly, vastly better than New England Patriots on the field, at least. I, I agree with you. And I can only hope that those two teams, once they reach the playoffs, are not in the same bracket. And you can see the two of them go head to head. Um, I do want to mention just for the sake of letting everyone know that The Tyreek Hill situation has been long and contrived, uh, and even I was surprised by the outcome of it. But I do want to say that what you've heard from the national media is still yet uninformed. 
I encourage you to go out and check some of the resources. There is a lot of developments that have gone in the last several weeks that may shed some more light. Uh, I just want to encourage folks to go research it for yourself. Don't just listen to talking heads. Uh, and that does, with that one, move us to number two. And I know you have those chargers. I'm looking at the Rams in this position. I really like what you said about Cooper Cup. And I think he really is the difference maker. I think if he was on the field last season, uh, he makes a lot of difference there in a number of ways. I think that despite Todd Gurley, and I'm still one that really likes to emphasize the run, I do feel that the run is still important. But I am one of those that the run game is what matters, not the running back itself who that happens to be, and I think C.J. Anderson proved that. So I don't see it as, as a huge loss there. I, I think there's going to be a split at some point, especially given the duration of the season. So I do see them continuing to move forward. Um, do you have any problem with any of that? Do you see any reason why they might stumble? Or we're not far apart in two versus four, but am I missing anything? I, I don't think so, and you know, I think the thing is, you know, just from the, it's a young roster, and it, it, it was you had the taste of it, and you know, maybe you feel, you know, because you know you didn't have 100% of Todd Gurley, and you think of Cooper Cup, he could have given you, you know, he's the kind of guy that could have given you an Edelman performance. I, you know, there's things there with the Rams, and that's just that alone with one thing is, is it's very hard to find a deficiency on that team. That is really what it comes down to, right? Not having a weakness you can exploit. And that's something that Bill Belichick really specializes in. And quite frankly, this is what I was alluding to before. I'm kind of old school. you got to prove to me that you can beat the champ, and that's why I still have the Patriots at the top, and it's mostly because of Belichick, a little bit because of Brady. But you have to find those weaknesses and exploit that. That's what Belichick does. And I still feel like that hasn't diminished, even though the personnel has changed, even though the coaching staff has changed. I feel like they're going to be able to reload like they usually have. I just don't know if that's going to consist through the season. But right now, that's where I see it. Uh, a little bit different. You don't have them. Uh, where would you have them? Five. So who is your number one, your Super Bowl favorite at this point in the season? Uh, I, I just, it, I, I, I'm just in awe of how the Philadelphia Eagles do business. Um, every move they make, everyone's like, well, how did they get that player at that dollar amount, at that cap amount? And it just seems to happen with whatever position, whatever they touch. Um, you look at the running backs right now, you know, Howard, Darren Sproles is going to come back for another year. They drafted Miles Sanders. They got the best left tackle in the draft. I think at like 22. Um, they just, everything seems to fall into their lap or they're smart enough to get on something before everybody else does. There is a key to all this though. You know, this team has won a Super Bowl. They had a little bit of a Super Bowl run last year, a little bit of playoff run last year. None of this has been done with Carson Wentz. So that is the key thing. Obviously, this franchise, who has done nothing but make great moves over the last couple of years, think Carson Wentz is the guy. They have paid him. They have paid him well. They have let Nick Foles their – I mean, you talk about having an insurance policy. Nick Foles gets you a Super Bowl title. Comes back the year next year, wins you a playoff game. That you don't have that luxury this year. If Carson, if they believe if Carson Wentz keeps their health, that they are going back to another Super Bowl as well as they do business, then I'm going to believe it too. But they just find a way to make everything work. So many moves drop into their lap. I was actually talking with the Eagles buddy the other day right now, and I said, "Well, you guys are going to camp? I, you know, realistically, how many guys should be on NFL rosters going to camp?" He's like, "Ah, 65 to 70." So, I mean, that means, so now there's going to be 10 guys that come Labor Day weekend that they're going to find a way to move 
three, four, five, six guys for either future draft picks or if they had an injury and they got to fill a hole, they just, they're so well run right now. And I just sit back in, in awe at how they do things. Um, it's, it, it, they're just an amazingly well run franchise. And the, if I think this much of them, if they think Carson Wentz and they have zero doubts about what he can do in playoff opportunities, then I can't either. I can't really argue with you. It does come down to Wentz, like I said earlier, and protecting him, I think, is key. The only thing I have is, like you said, you let Foles go. Should anything reemerge with him, I think that significantly hampers what they're able to do. But I agree with you. They are a team that has run very, very well. I mean, think about how long it's been since Chip Kelly was in charge of that organization, how far they've come, how quickly. It's really impressive to see not only, like you said, that they can get players at contracts that are team-friendly, but they're able to do it continually and roll what they have to roll, keep what they can keep, and keep moving forward. I agree with you. They're a great team. I probably underestimated them now that I hear you talk about them, but, hey, you know, there's going to be another power ranking in a month, so I'll live with it. Uh, folks, that's it for us. That is the top 12 power rankings as we see them now. Uh, now, Matt will be back. I, I'm sure he'll have some umbrage to take with it. Make sure you're following him at Williamson NFL. Make sure you're listening to the Locked On Browns and the Locked On Chiefs because we're going to be back. You're going to hear a lot about both of these teams as the season goes on. Uh, hopefully, I'm sure Jeff will be back. I'll be back at some point with Matt to talk about those teams. Man, this has been fun. I hope we get to do it again. Thanks for everything you brought to the table, Jeff. Uh, you know, Ryan, look, it was good. It was good to sit down here and obviously not, you know, it wasn't, you know, Chiefs Browns, so to speak, and get our thoughts here on the league. Um, but look, I know you're excited, as excited for the regular season for your product as I am for mine. Um, what should be really, really promising. Um, obviously, you know, the, some people putting out articles this week where, you know, the new generation, uh, generational, you know, one-on-one, the new Brady Manning could be Baker and Patrick Mahomes. Um, yeah, we're cool with it, right? You, Kevin, we're all good with it, right? We're good. <laughs> that should be fun for us, right? It's going to work out. Yeah, at this point, let's look. I mean, let's, you know, take the, you know, take the, the bottle of champagne, christen the new boat, and let's just get going to the 2019 season because I need actual football to talk about because when you do these shows and like, like we do here at, at the Lockdown Network and we're doing daily stuff, it's, you don't want to create false content. You want to give the best content you can day in, day out. Um, the best way to alleviate trying to come up with the best content is to actually have football to talk about. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. I completely agree with you. It makes things easier. And, folks, we have content for you every day for every team, not just this league either. If you're still into baseball and other sports, check out the Locked On Network. We have some great hosts coming up for you. As Matt's still on vacation this week, Cody Rourke will be with you tomorrow on Thursday. Christopher Carter and Chris Clark have the Friday shift. So thanks for letting us hijack Matt's show for the week. Thanks to Jeff. Thanks for everybody at the Locked On Network. Hope you guys have a good day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.